Hello, I'm Wayne McGahey, host of the Locked On Seminoles podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you to all of you who are the re- are returning listeners. I really appreciate all the support. If you don't know who I am, I'm the Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. I've covered Florida State for the last four years. I cover football, baseball, basketball, and recruiting. Every football game, home, away, bowl game, doesn't matter. I'm there. I was in Louisville last Saturday. I'll be in Miami. Well, technically Miami Gardens this weekend. And I cover every every time Willie Taggart speaks, every every football practice, every time a player speaks, I'm there. Basketball, I cover every home basketball game as well as any postseason basketball games. I was out in Nashville and Los Angeles for Florida State's Elite Eight run this past year. And I cover all home baseball games and any postseason baseball games that are not at home. I was out in Omaha for the College World Series two years ago when Florida State made it out there. So I also cover every major and minor recruiting event that Florida State has. So I have a pretty good idea of what's going on around the big three sports at Florida State, as well as uh, football recruiting. And I feel like it translates pretty well, so I hope you'll continue to give me a, a chance as we continue to go through this football season and and beyond, really. But Florida State's got got Miami this weekend, right? One of the best rivalries in all of college football. It's a rivalry that I grew up on that, you know, I've seen in person so many times. And there's been so many big plays and so many soul-crushing plays. You know, the, uh, today I'm, I'm going to go over, in, at least in the in the first the first two, I'm going to talk about my, uh, my five best memories from the Florida State-Miami rivalry. Five worst memories of the Florida State-Miami rivalry. And then I'm going to answer some questions from fans. So what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to split them up so you don't get you know too high or too low at any point. Because I know this is, uh, this is going to you know, hurt some of, uh, some of you guys that have lived through this. But uh, I also know that there's a lot of really, really good moments that, that you guys are going to enjoy. So don't want don't to get you too high, too low at the same time. We're going to uh, we're going to space them out, but one of my favorite moments ever from the from the Florida State Miami series came in 2005. Um, Florida State hadn't hadn't beaten Miami in six tries. Chris Ricks was the first quarterback in college football history to lose to the same team five times. I mean, it it was down. You know, Florida State had come close. I mean, so close. They lost three straight games by an average of, what, five points? You had an eight-point loss, a two-point loss, and a six-point loss. And, man, it, you know, and that, that's followed up by a one-point loss. So every, every loss that Florida State suffered from 2002 to 2004, which happened to be four games, um, was a, was a single-score loss. It's just Florida State couldn't beat them. Then, you know, September uh, September fifth, two thousand five, Florida State comes out, finally beats Miami. You know, it, the game's known as the Miami Muff, but one of the loudest moments, I think it's probably the second loudest I've ever heard Doak Campbell Stadium, was in the moments prior to that game when a representative from the Seminole Tribe of Florida came out and planted the spear pregame, and you know, the, the only other time I've ever heard the stadium that loud was when uh, Clint Trickett hit Rashad Green 
against Oklahoma. I you would have thought that a bomb had gone off in in Dote Campbell Stadium that day, but this one was pretty close. And then it you know when Miami muffed the uh, <clears throat> muffed the snap on the field goal attempt that would have tied the game, Florida State ended up winning ten to seven, erased some demons. It was just uh, it, it was it was a surreal moment. Um, and something that I'll always remember from before that game even started to the end of that game. You know, both of those teams turned out to not be very good that year, but you know, that, that game, that game eased some demons. And then going back to the, uh, to the one that probably hurt the, hurt the most, at least for me, 2002 in Miami, wide left. I remember sitting there and my you know Florida State just dominated the game. Greg Jones just ran through Miami. I mean ran through him. He ran for over 200 yards that day and then Miami Miami makes the comeback and but Florida State drives the field, gets in field goal, gets in field goal range and then Florida State's demons in the kicking game against Miami happen again. That's, I mean, I I remember I didn't make it to that game. Um, I remember sitting there watching it behind. Uh, I was standing behind the couch at a, at a buddy of mine's house. We had a bunch of bunch of us over there, and I remember just you know falling to the floor watching after watching that kick sail sail wide left. I just. Yeah, I mean, what, what were you going to do at that point? If it came down to a kick against Miami, Florida State was going to lose. We knew it was going to happen. But y- y- you always hope that that time is different. Uh, I don't remember the early wide rights, wide wide, uh, wide right one or wide right two. I was only three and four years old at the time, and I don't I don't really remember those. But that uh, that 2002 game really, really hurt. <laughs> it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't a fun experience. Um then the one of, I guess one of the next best moments that I remember came in the uh, 2010 game where Chris Thompson took a handoff raced like 85 yards for a touchdown right this is in the first uh, fourth quarter Florida State is absolutely blasting Miami at this point right they were out they out physical Miami this was in Jimbo Fisher's first year I mean they just you know, put it. They just put it on the Hurricanes, uh, on the road, and you know, it was it was really fun to watch. But the probably the best moment from that game was Chris Thompson taking it 85 yards and it getting called back for holding. Well, they run the same dang play again, and Chris Thompson takes it in the exact same hole. He ran like uh, 180 yards in two plays in like 20 seconds. Like I know he had to be sucking air at that point, but man, it was. Uh, you know, that, that was so much fun to watch. Uh, can you imagine being Miami at that point? You know, the Miami players, they run the same play again, and it gets, uh, com- you know, both plays get a combined like 180 yards because they couldn't stop it, and, you know, Chris Thompson just takes off. Uh, that, was, that was that was so much fun to watch, that game. Uh, I was about to deploy to Afghanistan when that game came on. And um, I was sitting in my buddy's house. We were, we were waiting because we were on call to figure out when we were going to leave. And man, that was just uh, that was that was a fun one. Just watching watching that happen. I remember turning 
to my buddy at the time, and I was like, Florida State doesn't beat Miami like this. This just doesn't happen. Because Florida State, I mean, for, man, since 1997 when Miami was on on probation, uh, Florida State beat them 47 to nothing. Since then, you know, up until that point, Florida State had really never, uh, never just outright dominated Miami and won a game. Uh, up until up until that point between those you know between 1998 and 2009 it just didn't happen so that was that was really fun to watch obviously last year wasn't uh, wasn't pleasant um you know Florida State dominated the first half and led uh, I think it was three nothing at, at, at the uh, at the end of the first half it was an ugly first half of Florida State defense had come to play. Then in the second half, Miami turns the tables, and then Florida State gets a couple of big interceptions. You know, takes it, goes down and scores with a minute left, and then Miami just does. You know, Miami went down, drove the field, and caught a last-second touchdown pass to a guy who I think I, I don't remember if he had any career touchdowns prior to that game, but I know he had that one. And then I think he went on to make a couple of other big catches later in the season. But I think that was uh, that was his first touchdown catch of his career at Miami. But yeah, that one uh, that one ended the seven game winning streak for Florida State. Got uh, got Miami back on the board, and really that was part of the downfall of Florida State. You know, at, at that point, you, things you, you things really started to spiral. You know, losing to losing to Alabama and then losing to NC State and then losing to Miami, things really started to spiral downhill after that game. You know, uh, but, but that's going to do it for this first segment. We'll get back into the segment two, talking about uh, more of the, the greatest and worst memories that I have of this rivalry between Florida State and Miami that will get back uh, on track on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. But before we get into that, we all love a night out, and whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on our favorite team, with Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source of tickets for all the live events you want to go to, and you can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all capital letters, no spaces, for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. So make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. All right. Thanks for sticking with me. <clears throat> we've uh, we've had some good. We've had some bad uh, for this Florida State Miami rivalry. There's yeah, 2009. We're gonna go back. We're gonna start off with a bad one here. We're gonna because I I to this day 100% believe that Florida State got screwed by the officials. I know hard to believe, guys. ACC officials screwing Florida State. Hard to believe, right? But no one. And I mean, no one will ever convince me that there shouldn't have been a second left on the clock when the ball hit the ground on that uh, Christian Ponder pass. You, no, you'll never convince me otherwise. 
that there was a, there should have been a second left on the clock. When they went back and reviewed it, there should have been a second left on the clock. It doesn't make sense how there wasn't a second left on the clock. There was clearly a second left on the clock, and Florida State should have had at least one more play. It was only third down, so, I mean, it would have been one second left, so Florida State would have had one play on fourth down from the two-yard line to score. Florida State ended up losing that game 38-34, to but Florida State 100% should have had an extra second on the clock, put back on the clock for one more play, and, uh, you know, Ponder probably should have gone away from Jarman Fortson at that point because he threw three straight passes, all of which were, was incomplete from the, uh, the two-yard line. Maybe try running the football since you only have one second left. Ah, or two, one second left. So I don't know. We'll have to, you know that that'll uh, that'll stick with me for a long time. Uh, but yeah, there should have been a second left on that clock. I thought Florida State got screwed by the officials, and that one that one wasn't great. So, you know, moving on to a more positive one in the uh, in the rivalry, <clears throat> you've got you've got the twenty sixteen game. Florida State had no business winning that game. Let's let's be honest. They fell behind. They had no business winning that game. They come back, and then it looks like Miami's going to tie the game up, right? It looked like Miami, who had the momentum, was going to take the game into overtime. Enter Demarcus Walker. You know, Demarcus Walker loved talking trash, but he also loved making big plays and big moments, and that was a big moment for Florida State. It really turned the season around after what was a pretty disappointing start. Uh, but it, I mean, it really turned the season around, and that game, Demarcus Walker just blocking that extra point was, uh, you know, it, it was a really amazing moment. Like I remember sitting in the press box on that. Like, did that really just happen? Like, how, how he continued to like he made plays when Florida State needed to make, you know, needed to make them, and that's that's what great players do in this rivalry. That's that's why it's such a great rivalry. Not because you know you have like half the rosters for both teams go on and play and have success in the NFL. You know that that's in the NFL. It's because the great players that do go and have success in the NFL in these rivalry games, they make the big plays. You know, you look at Dalvin Cook. You know, you look at Greg Jones, who ended up be, you know becoming a fullback in in the NFL. But man, you know, I mean, he, Anton Smith. You know, had the four touchdowns against Miami. It, you know, big, big time players make big time plays. Yeah, you know, we're gonna one more that was that was great. We're gonna we're gonna skip around here a little bit because it's really been you know kind of lopsided towards Florida State recently. Um, you know, at least at least from my memory, because I don't really remember anything before 1995 when it comes to when it comes to the rivalry. And Florida State's only lost what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games to Miami since nineteen ninety-five. I'd say that's pretty good. But uh, going back, one of the games that Florida State did lose produced the best hit. You know, oh, we'll we'll get into uh, we'll get into a win in the moment in, in a moment. Uh, but Stanford Samuels. Boosie, his hit on Roscoe Parrish that sent Parrish to the hospital with internal bleeding was just a monster hit. Now, let's never mind that Florida State got absolutely blown out in that game. You know, they lost uh, 49-27, to and you know Miami did score a touchdown on the very next play. But 
that hit, I mean, it's just, it's such an iconic hit. It defines the Florida State rivalry, which is built on big plays, you know, big hits. It's just so much, it's been so much fun to watch this rivalry as it goes through. But that hit was absolutely amazing. Um, and, you know, never mind that Florida State ended up losing that game by 22 points. But <clears throat> one game that Florida State won where, you know, it seemed like, hey, you know, you remember that Jeff Flanagan guy that I was complaining about earlier this week because he's one of the worst refs in college football? You know, he was refing this game that I'm about to uh, about to talk about, and Florida State got absolutely screwed in this one too. Shocker! The, uh, you know, I mean, from the what very first defensive play when Lamarcus Joyner had the had the fumble return for a touchdown, they they called it back. It was clearly a fumble. And then, uh, you know, at the very end, when Miami's trying to drive the field, Florida State should have had an interception. Instead, Nigel Bradham gets gets ejected for the, I mean, just a clean, hard hit that just absolutely leveled a Miami wide receiver. He gets ejected. I've never seen a Dote Campbell, like a, a fan base, as collectively upset as they were about that Nigel Bradham ejection. Like, it, Fans were pissed. And it, it was, you know, it was really interesting to watch you just just how mad they were at that game. And you could tell, I mean, it, people were talking about, like, Florida State ended up winning that game, 23-19. to 19, You know, it, but the, with, with that, it, pe- people weren't even talking about beating Miami. You know, it, the talk after the game wasn't Florida State beat Miami. It was Florida State almost got screwed by the refs, and Nigel Bradham shouldn't have been ejected. The ejection ended up being overturned because it was clearly a clean play. Um, it ended up being overturned because Bradham would have had to have missed his senior day, uh, his senior day game that that next week. So they they overturned it, or at least the first the first half of that game on on his senior day. So. They overturned that, and he was able to play because they were in the wrong. But that officiating crew was horrible. You know, it, it always seems to uh, to be some poor officiate, uh, poor officiating. You know, you look at the 2012 game where the officials actually had to bring out Miami's players from the locker room because they forgot that a team can void a 10 second runoff by calling a timeout. Florida State ended up kicking a field goal and ended up winning that game by 13. But like just the officials in that game were incompetent and didn't realize that, hey, they could have a timeout. They could use it. And they had to call Miami enough Miami players to get onto the field to let Florida State kick a field goal. So it, there's, been a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of big plays. There's been a lot of big hits. There's been a lot of great moments. And there's been a lot of terrible officiating in this rivalry over the years. But that'll do it for this segment of the Locked on Seminoles podcast. We'll be back in just a minute talking about or answering some questions from fans. And then tomorrow's podcast, we'll have prediction. We'll have my prediction preview, you know, the, the players that I think are going to have to step up and the players that I think will step up. But that's coming tomorrow. But in the final segment, we'll have our mailbag answering just a few questions and uh, then we'll be done. But before we get to that, Thanks for sticking with me as we head into the final segment of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. We've got, uh, we got a, cre- a question from my buddy Tarif and, uh, who, who wanted to ask, would the line still be 13-plus if FSU packed the Garnet Pants? 
look, unless uh, those garnet pants are hiding some some healthy offensive linemen, I don't I don't care what uh, what uniform Florida State's playing in, that uh, that line would still be the same. But yeah, I, I personally like the garnet pants. Uh, I actually like the garnet helmets. I w- wish that they would go back to the fade. I know I'm alone in this. Like I, I'm willing to die on this hill. But I liked the faded to black better than. I liked the like the just straight garnet and black. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing it all garnet and just getting rid of the black in general. I think that would be much better. But yeah, you know, I, I do like I do like the traditional uh, away uniforms of the white on gold. I do think those are nice. But yeah, I mean, I think that Florida State should always wear garnet pants against Florida, and I think it should be all garnet at home against Florida and with white on garnets away that's you know that that's the way it should be that's the way it was when uh when I was younger I'll I'll remember the 1993 Florida State Florida game but I you know like I said unless Florida State's uh hiding some some offensive linemen some healthy offensive linemen in those garnet pants I don't think the line's going to change very much uh, I have one of the questions because you know, we talked about officiating just a minute ago. Do we know who the officiating crew is? We don't yet. Sorry. Uh, we'll have to wait until Saturday to find that out. The next question comes from Noel No Mercy. Can the lack of a running game be completely laid at the feet of the offensive line and running backs? Akers and Patrick did not forget how to run. Is that an indictment of this new coaching staff? No, it's it's absolutely not on just the offensive line and running backs. I discussed it in an earlier podcast this week, but if if DeAndre Francois would hold on to some of these reads, the all, the the running game would look so much better. Right now, when Florida State does a read option play, teams are able to completely ignore him in the running game, which creates a numbers disadvantage. The idea is to create a numbers advantage where a where a defensive lineman or a linebacker has to respect the quarterback running the football. There's no respect for the quarterback running the football right now. And that instead of creating a running advantage for for the running back, it's creating a running disadvantage because of the numbers. So it's it's absolutely not I, I know it's you, you can blame some on DeAndre, you can blame some on the running backs. You know, they're they're not being patient enough, they're not hitting the right holes, they're trying to you know, that they're sometimes the vision's off. Like there's there's certain there's so many things that have gone into it and it a lot of it can be laid at the at the offensive line, not getting their assignments right, not being physical enough, and it, it, sometimes it's just a combination of all three. So there's so many different factors that have gone into the struggles of the running game that it's hard to pin it on just just what you asked. Uh, so there there's so many different var- variables going on. Florida State's going to struggle again to run the football against Miami. Miami is one of the best running. Uh, rush defenses in college football. They're even better than Florida State's, which is up there. Florida State's got a top ten run defense, but uh, you know and we all know how the pass defense is going. But Miami has a has a top ten run defense as well. So it's it's going to be a, another game of tough sledding for the running backs, which means that Acres or Patrick are probably going to run for like a combined two hundred yards because that's the way this series goes, right? That's the way this series goes. Um, last question comes from Vapor Knoll. Does Willie have some unused plays to break out for this game? I'm 100% positive that Willie has some unused plays that he, he would love to run in this game, but the offense hasn't been nearly consistent enough to even try those plays. Uh, they, you know, Through the first five games, Florida State struggled to line up properly. 
They've struggled to get a push up front. They've struggled to keep DeAndre Francois upright. DeAndre struggled in making his reads. The receivers have struggled in blocking, though that has been significantly better uh, of late. You know, they've they, they, there's just not enough consistency for for Willie Taggart to break out those type of you know those type of trick plays that he can use. I'm sure he might break out something, but I don't expect it to be completely different from from what Florida State's uh, has has looked like the past the past few weeks as far as plays goes. It's just it's going to be all about executing, <clears throat> and we'll have to see if Landon Dickerson plays yesterday. Willie Taggart, <clears throat> excuse me, yesterday Willie Taggart said he was optimistic both Derek Kelly and Landon Dickerson will play. Not sure if. Uh, if Landon's going to be able to play today or play on Saturday, he was he was not as optimistic today as he was on Saturday. So, or as he as he was on Saturday, as he was on Wednesday. So we're going to have to wait and see. He did say that Dickerson is a very tough guy and he might be able to play through it. And then there's a bye week next week, so we'll have to wait and see if he does. But he did seem more optimistic that Derek Kelly will be able to play. Um, which is going to help the offensive line regardless if they can get uh, like I talked about yesterday if they can if they can get Kelly in there to replace Mike Arnold it's going to it's going to upgrade the offensive line regardless of who's in a tackle though having Landon Dickerson play left tackle is a lot better than having uh, having to put Abdul Bello into the lineup again so that's the that's the last question from this week's mailbag. I hope that you guys have enjoyed this podcast. We'll be back Friday to talk about or to preview Florida State's game against Miami where I'll give you I'll preview the matchup. I'll give you my three players that I think have big games, my three players that have to have big games in order for Florida State to get the win, and then I'll give my prediction and the reason why I have it that way. But that's it for this edition of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, make sure to take and like, subscribe, favorite, or whatever it is you can do on your on your podcast side of choice, wherever you're downloading your podcast from. Make sure to uh, make sure to do those so it gives you an update whenever whenever this podcast comes out during the day. You know, we're a five day a week podcast, Monday through Friday. It's always going to be under thirty minutes. If it's not under thirty minutes, it's going to be right at thirty minutes. So, <clears throat> I really appreciate all the support from the Florida State fan base. You guys have been awesome so far. But that's it for this edition of the Locked on Seminoles podcast. I'm Wayne McGahee. I hope you have a wonderful day.